Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, literally Heather. Ah, good Tuesday morning, you wonderful humans. I hope you slept well and that you are having a great morning so far. With that said, I feel like I know a way to make it better for you by giving you a couple great deals from Palmetto State Armory. As of recording, you can get a PSA Gen 3 PA10 18-inch mid-link 308 upper with the BCG and charging handle for only $399.99. It's regularly $879.99. In addition to that, you can snag a Blem PSA Gen 3 PA10 308 for only $169.99, which is regularly $449.99. Sometimes the deals are so good. I have to check it two and three times to make sure I'm not missing something or quoting it incorrectly. And as is now a new tradition, in addition to these two deals, You will also find a link to Caliber Coffee in the show description, and I'm working on a collaborative coffee cup, so you guys can have a little bit of the show and a little bit of the greatest firearms manufacturer in the United States to join you in the morning. Those links, as always, are in the show description. Please check them out. If you have any questions or you're looking for something specific, don't hesitate to let me know. Okay. In a win for gun manufacturers, Intuit and J.P. Morgan were snarled in a potential discriminatory policy against the firearms industry, but they have since reversed their decision to ban gun companies from using their services. A spokesperson with Intuit commenting on the change in policy said, quote, Intuit continually reviews and updates our policies to ensure they best serve the needs of our customers and remain compliant with all applicable federal and state laws. Our acceptable use policy is based on various factors, including compliance with laws and banking partner requirements. Our commitment to customers is unwavering, and we will continue to ensure our policies serve their needs. The reversal comes in the wake of an oversight investigation launched by staff of Senator Ted Cruz on the Commerce Committee into business practices from the software company. In a letter to Intuit, CEO Sasan Gudarsi exclusively obtained by Fox Business Cruz described the QuickBooks policy, which was in effect until August 1st of 2023, that said businesses engaged in, quote, guns and firearm manufacturing are ineligible or may become ineligible for QuickBooks payroll services. A similar policy was also apparently in effect for businesses engaged in mail order, phone, or online firearms, and weapons sales. In the letter, Cruz wrote, quote, My office became aware of these discriminatory policies 
When Dawson Precision, a Texas company that manufactures small firearms parts, informed my office that Intuit had, without warning, canceled its subscription to QuickBooks payroll services, Dawson Precision only discovered what had happened after it submitted its payroll. Intuit later said that it canceled Dawson Precision's account because as a firearm manufacturer, it was in violation of Intuit's acceptable use policy, Cruz added. As a result of the incident, according to the letter, Dawson Precision was forced to print paper checks for weeks while searching for another vendor to handle payroll. Cruz, however, did not lay blame entirely at the feet of Intuit, instead alleging that one of the company's banking partners, J.P. Morgan, had demanded that Intuit create and enforce bank policies regarding firearm sellers and manufacturers. Commerce Committee staff, upon hearing of these revelations from Intuit, then held a briefing with both banks where J.P. Morgan acknowledged being the source of the services policy. When reached for a comment, a spokesperson for J.P. Morgan said, quote, For any third-party processors that process payments in aggregate, we are unable to perform the due diligence expected by regulators for severe, several highly regulated industries, including internet firearms retailers. So we cannot process such payments for these processors. Any such merchants can look to work directly with us rather than through a third-party processor. We do allow payments to be processed through these processors for brick-and-mortar firearms retailers. Cruz also cited Bank of America's involvement. Intuit claimed the bank enforced restrictions on their services, according to Intuit company representatives, who detailed the following in a briefing with Senate staff. Intuit clarified that Bank of America required it to prohibit gun manufacturers from using QuickBooks payroll services. Bank of America, of course, denied that it had ever given Intuit such instructions relating to firearms manufacturers or sellers. Intuit insisted that Bank of America did. Regardless of who originated these discriminatory policies against gun manufacturers, Intuit was right to end them, Cruz wrote. Bank of America declined to comment. Following the August policy change, there is now no current mention of prohibitions on payroll and payment process for gun companies. Cruz, in the letter, while satisfied with the outcome, said his staff would nevertheless continue their investigation to ensure that no financial services firm unnecessarily limits the firearm industry's access to accounting or banking products. Concluding his letter to Good Goodartsy, he wrote, As a result of my staff's investigation, Intuit did the right thing regarding its payroll and payment services. I encourage other companies to follow your company's lead and take note that banning customers from using their products due to political differences is not good business. 
you would think Bud Light would be a massive lesson across the board for all companies, but for some reason, it is not the lesson that I thought it would be. Okay, I know that I've talked about the border situation in this country multiple times on this show, but we had 11,000 migrants cross into the United States across the Mexico border between Sunday and Monday. One day. Gut-wrenching images went viral today that were taken by the New York Post that show migrant toddlers crawling through razor wire to reach Eagle Pass, Texas, howling in pain as spikes from the wire stick to their flesh. The photos and the videos captured the sheer desperation of the invasion playing out on the border with families and even a double amputee crawling through the sharp coils of wire to get a shot at claiming asylum in the United States. Children barely out of diapers are being dumped at the border by heartless cartel members who are using them as decoys to tie up border agents so that cartel members can shift drugs and gangsters over more remote areas of the border. Texas towns, including Eagle Pass and El Paso, have been flooded with thousands of people seeking refuge over the last week. Migrants near Eagle Pass waded through the dangerous waters of the Rio Grande, the international boundary, before getting stuck at the bottom of the riverbank for hours, unable to make their way into the U.S. due to the concertina wire. After nearly half a day's wait, they became desperate and made their way up the bank. Video captured by the post shows one Honduran woman crawling through the wire with her three sons, trying to shield them by putting her body between them and the sharp sharp spikes. Video that was captured by the post shows the Honduran woman's hair and clothes get snagged by the razors. With the help of other migrants who used clothes as a buffer, the mom and kids were able to turn themselves over to the U.S. Border Patrol. After that whole fiasco played out, the Border Patrol agents just cut the concertina wire so that everyone that was on the other side could just come across so they wouldn't have to do that anymore. As more migrants saw that people had made it across, they too made their way into the Rio Grande, risking potential drowning. At that point, the Border Patrol dispatched a number of boats to collect the migrants and just go ahead and bring them around the wire onto U.S. soil. The migrants will then be be detained and then evaluated, where officers will decide if they have a strong enough case to stay in the United States or if they'll be deported. Quote, you can't let an open border happen without any repercussions, said Congressman Tony Gonzalez, who represents both Eagle Pass and El Paso. He spoke at a press conference Monday just feet from the border surrounded by other Republican members of Congress. Everyone who is crossing that river, everyone who is crossing in between the ports of entry, is coming over illegally. You should not be rewarded with work visas. They should not be rewarded with free bus rides and plane tickets everywhere. 
Texas Governor Greg Abbott has added multiple layers of enforcement meant to deter migrants from illegally entering the state at non-designated border crossings like riverbeds and remote stretches of scrubland. Texas National Guard members also patrol the river over the weekend in boats. And at Eagle Pass, a controversial floating barrier was constructed in the middle of the river in an effort to block migrants. Despite the multiple layers of deterrence, migrants keep coming across by the thousands into Eagle Pass. The deterrents you're using aren't working in case you didn't notice, especially when you just go ahead and cut the concertina wire for them and pick them up in boats and bring them over to our shores. You have men with guns standing on the border. They are supposed to be protecting our sovereignty, defending our nation from enemies, foreign and domestic. I know the language has been used hyperbolically, but I'm dead serious when I say this. The idea that our government is more concerned with the border in Ukraine and defending Ukraine against a Russian invasion while watching this transpire on our own border is fueling the conspiracy theorist that lives in the back of my head screaming, it's on purpose, you dumbass. Which means that the enemy isn't the people being flown and bussed to our border. It's the people allowing and encouraging it to happen. With a population of less than 30,000, Eagle Pass has been besieged by at least 11,500 migrants in just the last week, overwhelming its resources. You're nearly to the point where you have added half of your population in a week. For comparison, a record was set for the entire southern border when 10,000 people attempted to cross from Mexico in a single day in May. The local hospital is spending $100,000 a month on health care for people who are coming over illegally. That's over a million dollars annually. You heard from Eagle Pass Mayor Salinas that he feels abandoned. Many people who live on the border feel abandoned. Mayor Rolando Salinas told the Post that authorities were bracing for anywhere between four and 9,000 migrants by the end of the week. The congressional delegation also toured the Border Patrol facility in town, meant to hold 1,000 migrants. Up to 5,000 people were crammed into the detention center on Monday. The migrant mobs forced the closure of one of the town's two international bridges, costing the city $15,000 a day. Law enforcement sources have previously told the Post that the mass crossings, which are taking place across the entire southern border, are fueled by cartels that purposely want to overwhelm American border enforcement. He said, I'm demanding that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the rest of the folks in the White House get up and see what's happening and fix this problem now said by Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson. Demand all you want, Ronnie. They're not going to do anything about it. Weapons hot. Bet they stop. 
And I'm not even joking. If you aren't entering through a formal point of entry, you're an enemy combatant. There's a process, and until you enforce it, they will not stop. Notably, not all illegal aliens are entering the United States along the southern or northern border, according to the Center for Immigration Studies. Over the past year, more than 200,000 people from four countries used a direct flight parole program to enter the United States illegally. This was said by Todd Bensman, who's a senior national security fellow at the Washington-based think tank devoted to researching immigration issues. Those 221,456 illegal aliens are from Haiti, Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua. Through a Freedom of Information Act request, Bensman says he learned of the federal government's CBP-1 mobile application parole program, which permits inadmissible aliens to make an appointment to fly directly to airports in the interior of the United States, bypassing the border altogether. The Biden administration introduced the CBP-1 mobile app to illegal aliens as a way to schedule an appointment at a port of entry and be paroled into the interior of the United States. The acronym CBP obviously is Customs and Border Protection. Biden said the program was part of an effort to form, quote, lawful pathways for illegal aliens to enter the country and seek asylum. Illegal border crossings between ports of entry at the southern border appeared to decline in June as more illegal aliens presented themselves at a port of entry. But according to Bensman's findings, migrants are also presenting themselves at ports within the interior of the country. One of the least noticed, mysterious, and potentially the most controversial of the new rechanneling programs that use the CBP1 CBP1 app, gosh, that is a mouthful to say, allows migrants to take commercial passenger flights from foreign countries straight to their American cities of choice, flying right over the border and even over Mexico. Bensman writes in the Center for Immigration Studies report titled New records, Biden DHS has approved hundreds of thousands of migrants for secretive foreign flights directly into U.S. airports. Through the CBP-1 app, Cubans, Venezuelans, Nicaraguans, Haitians, and Colombians can request advanced travel authorizations and then fly directly into U.S. airports where customs officers parole them into the nation sight unseen, and in numbers that were publicly unknown before this. The documents obtained by the Center for Immigration Studies show that between late October of 2022 and mid-September of 2023, so one year, the administration approved a total of 221,456 Venezuelans, Haitians, Cubans, and Nicaraguans for travel mode 
air into still unspecified interior U.S. ports. Not ha- We can't even, we don't know. The illegal aliens are required to pay for their own flight into the United States. Details of the Biden administration's flight program for illegal aliens comes as U.S. Customs and Border Protection encounters with illegal immigrants along the U.S. border with Mexico are nearing record highs. The administration is granting migrants from Venezuela temporary protected status. The change protects hundreds of thousands of Venezuelans deportation if they were in America unlawfully before July 31st and makes it easier for those illegal immigrants to gain U.S. work permits. Temporarily protected status provides individuals already present in the United States with protection from removal when the conditions in their home country prevent their safe return. Alejandro Mayorkas said Wednesday in a written statement, U.S. Customs and Border Protection has reported encountering more than 460,000 illegal aliens from Venezuela on America's borders since Biden's presidency began on January 10th. That's that just so you guys can hear that really fast one more time. That's from just one country in less than three years, 460,000 illegal aliens from Venezuela. No one will ever do anything about this problem because it's too much political capital for both sides of the uniparty. It gives the GOP something to bitch about and fearmonger with, and it gives Democrats the bleeding heart humanitarian governmental protector talking point. Once again, the American taxpayer is left footing the bill for gross negligence and ineptitude on behalf of the United States government. Mentioning governmental ineptitude goes hand in hand with the next story. It's going to surprise you guys so much. I just know it. While Rep. Adam Schiff campaigns for Dianne Feinstein's Senate seat on a platform of earmarks for local causes, the 12-term congressman, 12 terms, has been busted steering millions in taxpayer dollars to for-profit defense contractors, many of whom have been political donors to his campaigns. Gosh, I'm just so surprised, aren't you guys? But Schiff has offered an incomplete and potentially misleading account of his record on earmarks. He is even calling out his closest rival in the race, Rep. Katie Porter, for her opposition to pork barrel spending. Because it's totally in vogue to allocate taxpayer dollars to pointless pet projects and make your buddies money, don't you know? A close examination of that record reveals that he has secured generous earmarks for corporate beneficiaries early in his career, including at times for recipients who were also major donors to his political campaigns. Earmarks have emerged as an unlikely source of intense debate in one of the nation's most closely watched Senate primaries. Why is it unexpected or unlikely that that would be a source of debate, that you're using taxpayer dollars 
to fund you. Like essentially it's, it's pay for play. I'm going to give you all of this money that we stole from the American people for your project. I don't care if it's successful or not. I'm just going to give all this to you. But in turn, I need you to donate a percentage of that to my campaign so I can get reelected. What are, what are we at now? What do we say? 12, 12 terms you've had at this point? Ugh, Schiff's sales pitch that earmarks are essential to making Washington work for California harkens back to his early days in the House before both parties raced to crack down on the practice. Porter said she views the spending items as a symbol of a broken Washington and doesn't file requests for them. Several of Schiff's earmarks would be barred under reforms that were adopted in 2010. In two particularly egregious cases, Schiff channeled millions in funding to Smith's Detection and Phasebridge Incorporated, two defense companies within his district, with $6 million steered to Smith's Detection and $3 million to Phasebridge. Both moves would have been barred under reforms adopted in 2010. This financial maneuvering coincided with Schiff receiving $8,500 in contributions from PMA Group PAC and two family members of Paul Maglio Chetty. We'll just pretend that I said that correctly founder and owner of the lobbying firm retained by both defense companies. In 2011, Maglia Chetty was sentenced to 27 months in prison for making illegal campaign contributions. Schiff claims not to have a full accounting of his earmarks. The congressman's campaign has been quick, to minimize these connections. It's just a conspiracy theory. Emphasizing the small proportion of these contributions in his overall fundraising and underscoring his commitment to ensuring Californians' tax dollars work for their benefit. In a boilerplate response, spokesperson Marisol Samayoya, Samayoa, gosh, man, said <laughs> Californians know and trust Adam's record of getting things done. And as a U.S. senator, he will do what it takes to ensure Californians' tax dollars are put to work for them and their priorities, adding these contributions amount to less than one-tenth of a percent of what Adam has raised over 20 years in Congress. And we're driven by what was best for our troops and his constituents. It is ridiculous to suggest otherwise. However, Schiff's lack of transparency in providing a complete list of his earmarks further fuels the cloud of skepticism surrounding his actions. We were always concerned about the pay-to-play aspects, and that's something every lawmaker must live with, said Steve Ellis, president of Taxpayers for Common Sense, a nonpartisan budget watchdog who has been analyzing earmarks for decades. If you're getting a campaign contribution and getting your earmark for the same company or for a client of that lobbyist, it does have that perception. This, this is the president 
of taxpayers for common sense, justifying and saying, you're just, you're going to have to deal with that. That's just part of it. Cavalier way in which he casually dismisses it. Well, pay for play is a thing. Deal with it, peasant. God, these people, man. It's dangerous for me to write these shows because I just get so frustrated. Okay. If you've been listening to my show for any length of time, I try really, really hard to stay away from the Ukraine-Russia stuff because, number one, it dominates the news. Number two, I never know what is real and what is not. As far as verifying information that's coming out of this proxy war, it's very difficult. And I really do. I know I my commentary is obviously very slanted in my own positions, but... I try really hard to just present facts. Like I'll go double check multiple sources to make sure that something is legitimate. But I think this particular story is important to highlight, so I'm going to do it. Now keep in mind everything that you've heard so far this episode with regards to government negligence, excessive spending, horrible decisions, and ineptitude. Um, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov has appeared to back the territorial integrity of Ukraine, agreed upon after the breakup of the Soviet Union when Crimea was internationally recognized as part of Ukraine. Lavrov said that in 1991, Moscow recognized the sovereignty of Ukraine on the basis of the Declaration of Independence, which it adopted upon leaving the USSR, in which Crimea was considered to be under the control of Kyiv. He said that the declaration contained a lot of good things, which formed part of the Ukraine's constitution, including protecting minority rights and the status of the Russian language. One of the main points for us was that Ukraine would be a non-aligned country, would not enter into any military alliances, Lavrov said. Under those conditions, we support the territorial integrity of this state. This reiterates one of the Kremlin's justifications for its invasion, namely the alignment of Kyiv towards NATO and the encroachment of the alliance on Russia's borders. We have no problems with the territorial integrity of Ukraine. It was destroyed by those who carried out and supported the coup, whose leaders declared war against their own people and began to bomb them, Lavrov added. According to a transcript of his comments, on the Russia Foreign Ministry website. The territory of the Ukrainian SSR within its existing borders is inviolable and cannot be changed or used without its consent, he added. That sounds to me like they're ready to negotiate. You can't be part of an adversarial military alliance, i.e. NATO, and will recognize Crimea as your territory. I feel like that's pretty simple and frankly fair. Meanwhile, the United States says, huh, we can't have peace. We are in the business of funding war, and brother, business is a booming. The U.S. has delivered four rounds of funding, totaling $113 billion for Ukraine since Russia's invasion. President Joe Biden announced a new $325 million aid package for Ukraine during Zelensky's visit, 
to the White House last week and promised to help the country for as long as it takes to oust Russia. An additional $24 billion in security and humanitarian aid that Biden is seeking for Ukraine hangs in the balance amid a mounting Republican divide over further aid to Ukraine, with some House Republicans wanting to cut off financial support to the country entirely. A federal government shutdown will effectively begin on October 1st if Congress isn't able to pass a funding plan that Biden signs into law. If that happens, federal agencies will have to stop all non-essential work and will will not send paychecks for as long as the shutdown lasts. While employees deemed essential still have to report to work, other federal employees will be furloughed, although they'll receive back pay once the funding issues are resolved. That would create a situation where U.S. federal employees will be waiting on paychecks while U.S. taxpayer money will be paying the salaries of Ukrainians. This news comes on the heels of a CBS article that proudly lets us know that U.S. tax dollars are funding more than just military aid. What exactly would that be, you ask? As the war in Ukraine grinds toward its third year, America has provided, as I stated a minute ago, I think it was like $115, $113 billion in aid, with billions not just going toward the military, but also to help farmers subsidize small businesses and pay the country's first responders. If you're scratching your head right now, me too. Uh, The U.S. has bankrolled Ukraine since Russia invaded on February 24th. A battle is brewing in Washington over the Biden administration's request for more than $20 billion more in Ukraine aid. Some Republicans in Congress are opposed. Hardliners in the House want to cut off all funding, while others are demanding just a little more oversight. Earlier in September, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made his fourth trip to Ukraine since Russia invaded. He stood next to the Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitro Kuleba. Kuleba, Kaliba, I don't know, at a press conference and stressed that the U.S. would continue to aid Ukraine. Quote, The United States is committed to empowering Ukraine to write its own future, Blinken said at a press conference. Yeah, with a blank check on the backs of taxpaying Americans. In the crucible of President Putin's brutal and ongoing war, the United States and Ukraine have forged a partnership that is stronger than ever and growing every day. Just suck his dick already. Like, God. The war has also impacted Ukraine's financial standing with the country's economy contracting by an estimated 31% last year. Boo fucking who, according to the United States Agency for International Development. The U.S. government is subsidizing small businesses in Ukraine, including Tatiana Abramova's knitwear company, to keep them afloat. Oh, good. You shut down all American businesses during COVID, 
Uh, and small businesses in America shuttered hundreds of thousands of storefronts through this COVID process. But thank goodness Tatiana's sweaters and scarves are just flying off the shelves. The U.S. government also bought seeds and fertilizer for Ukrainian farmers. America is covering the salaries of Ukraine's first responders, all 57,000 of them. The U.S. funds divers who clear unexploded ammunition from the country's rivers to make them safe again for swimming and fishing. Every word I type makes my blood boil. Some of the concerns over aid to Ukraine boil down to oversight. Ukraine is a young democracy with a history of corruption. According to the monitoring group Transparency International, it is ranked the second most corrupt country in Europe. Only Russia scores lower. They're made for one another. Worldwide, among the 180 countries in the index, Ukraine is ranked 116th. It is one of the most corrupt countries in the world not just Europe. Senator Elizabeth Warren was recently in Kyiv along with Senator Blumenthal and Senator Graham to monitor the situation. Oh good, they're over there monitoring that situation and not in their districts. Our Secretary of State, our politicians, I am so glad they're so focused on Ukraine. Did they get a sweater from Tatiana's shop while they were there? That is your Tuesday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Just a heads up, Patriots and Petticoats live stream is canceled for this evening. We are moving to tomorrow night to do the debate for uh, the the GOP debate. We're going to do a live stream for that tomorrow night. So uh, with that being said, and then we're moving book club to Thursday night if you want to tune in for that. I appreciate you guys tuning in. You take care. Have a wonderful Tuesday and I will see you. I'll actually probably record a show tomorrow for you guys. So you guys take care. Have a good day. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.